Boss is here. Military parents never miss a beat, and neither does the Johns Hopkins U.S. Family Health Plan. Built for every warrior in your family. With more than 40 years of service to military families, TRICARE Prime Benefits plus exclusive extras. Learn more at warriorsathome.com. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on The Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about a new elite recruit for the basketball team and a big win streak as Syracuse winds down the season. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Jim Stick Schulte. And our guest today is our great friend from Sports Illustrated and AllSyracuse.com, Mike McAllister. Mike, always appreciate your time. How are you today? Thanks for having me on. I'm doing fantastic. That's great to hear. And Mike, we'll get you started on this one. The last time we had you on, you had just joined Sports Illustrated. I think all Syracuse fans know what you bring to the table with your recruiting news and insider knowledge. How have you enjoyed it so far? Yeah, it's been great. Uh, the, the support we have from um, you know the whole network is, is fantastic. Uh, I think we have a lot of resources that play to um, our favor and, and you know help... Syracuse fans as well with with the content we're able to put out and and some of the cool things we're able to do. Um, The fact that we've got access to John Garcia Jr., who is one of my personal favorites in terms of, um, A, he's just a nice guy all around, but B, the the fact that what he's able to do from an analytical standpoint. So, you know, when Syracuse is after a player, one of the first things that I do when, when they have a new recruit that they're really heavy on is, I immediately reach out to him from a football perspective and say, you know, what, what do you think of this kid? And, um, you know, he's, he's always able to see things that, that I don't, and I appreciate the ability to lean on him for some of that. So yeah, it's, it's been fantastic. I like the fact that we've, we now have message boards up on my site, which is great. Uh, that was the one thing missing when we first switched over. So, you know, we're starting to build a community there and, it's been great to see a lot of familiar faces come over from some of my previous stops and being able to interact with them again. So all positive from that perspective. One other thing you've started recently is the Believe in Syracuse podcast. For those listening who haven't heard of it, can you tell us more about it? Yeah, we started it before the football season, and it was primarily at that point focused just on football. And um, it was mainly, you know, we do two a week one that recaps the previous game and one that looked ahead to the upcoming game. And then we've been able to transition that into basketball and kind of doing the same thing, looking at the games that have taken place since the last time we recorded and then looking ahead to what's upcoming. And, um, you know, there's a, a, a new house student named Kyle Leff, who is the producer, but also a co-host with me. And um, it's been just a really good experience all around. And being able to, you know, sometimes you write recaps and you write stories and, and opinion things and you're limited to 140 characters on Twitter and, and being able to just speak and I can ramble as long as I want about certain topics and 
it's uh, I think it's a good medium, and I think it it provides even more insight into you know sort of my perspective on where Syracuse football, basketball recruiting, et cetera, is, is at at that current moment. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Syracuse recruiting because I definitely wanted to talk more about that. Syracuse football just finished up its 2022 recruiting cycle. Out of that group, who do you think is going to be the biggest impact player? The guy that I like is Francois Knowlton, the defensive end from Florida, who is actually already enrolled in campus and is going to be able to participate in spring football, which I think is huge. But we know that Syracuse has lost three defensive linemen. It's three starting defensive linemen from last season, and they've lost a couple of guys who were maybe back end in terms of depth. And then um, Curtis Harper, who was a rotational guy, um, even though he was falling a little bit behind in the depth chart uh, towards the end of last season. So the fact that they've had all that attrition, even though I know that they like a lot of the young guys that they've recruited previously in previous cycles, I think that he's got, because of his talent level, the fact that his body is, is physically ready, I think, to be able to handle contributing at the ACC level right away. And then his talent just speaks for itself. You know, he's a four-star on ESPN. He was a four-star on the enti- basically the entire recruiting cycle at 24-7 until he decommitted from Florida, and then he got dropped to a three. He's you look at his offer list. I mean, he's got everybody, Bama, Georgia, SEC powerhouses. I mean, everybody was after this kid at one point, And that's the type of kid that's coming into Syracuse. I think he's got an opportunity to either start or be on the two deep and be part of that defensive line rotation. He's the number one guy I'm looking at that has the potential to impact Syracuse football in 2022 because of his talent level, but also because his position presents a really strong opportunity. Now, Mike, taking a step back from the 2022 class, there's so much more that's happened in the offseason. Syracuse added several assistant coaches. They've added a lot of players through the portal. So if you had to grade the Syracuse offseason, what would you give Dino Bapers? Yeah, I'm somewhere between, you know, a B-plus to an A, somewhere in that range. Um, I think they've pretty much checked every box in terms of what they needed to do in the offseason. We know that they needed to – you know, they needed to, to change up the coaching staff. They needed a new offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach. Uh, they needed to do something different there in order to, you know, spark the offense and, and get it to be a little bit more explosive as it had been in, in previous years. And then, you know, they needed to bring in a quarterback to um, compete with Garrett Schrader. And they've done both of those things. And, and they, I'm not sure that entering the offseason – even the most optimistic Syracuse fans would have expected the haul from a coaching pers- coaching staff perspective that they've been able to get in terms of uh, Robert and I, Jason Beck, Bob Ligashevsky, the, the special teams coordinator, even Michael Johnson, the w- new wide receivers coach. All of those additions to me are really, really strong hires. I think it's potentially the most complete coaching staff uh, that, that Dino Babers has had since he's been here. And then, as I said, with the quarterback position, they checked that box. They brought in a transfer wide receiver who is going to compete to be the number one guy. I think that was important. They've brought in um, multiple defensive backs from the transfer portal that are going to have the ability to make an impact right away and really shore up that group. They've brought in a running back that can back up Sean Tucker 
and then has the potential to be the guy after Sean Tucker leaves. So I think they've done a really nice job. There's still a couple of small holes, I think, that they got to fix. But it's it's hard to argue with what they've done. And I think grabbing a guy like Francois Knowlton as a high school recruit, he sort of becomes the headliner, which I think was missing after the early signing period. They had some good players and some good prospects and ones that fit the system. But they were missing that high-caliber, buzzworthy, four-star everyone goes, whoa, how did Syracuse get that guy type of a recruit? Francois Knowlton is that guy. So now it feels like it takes your 2022 class up a notch. And then they've checked all the boxes, most of all of the boxes uh, from a transfer portal and coaching staff perspective. So I think it's been a really strong off season for Syracuse football. Mike, you mentioned Syracuse has checked most of the boxes. I think a couple of positions they still need to address through the portal are at the defensive and offensive lines. Do you agree with that? And are there any other places where Syracuse needs to address? I, I agree with you. I think those are, are two positions that they're going to be looking really hard at. I think defensive line is the most important. It's not that they don't have bodies and they don't have guys that they've recruited or some guys that have played, but what that group is missing is that one veteran leader type, right? The guy that's been in a college program for four or five years. He knows the ins and outs of, of being out of high school and being a full-time starter and and all of the uh, requirements, responsibilities, and, and work that is involved in, in playing at that high level, they, they are lacking that player. And so that's going to be priority number one for the rest of the offseason. Yes, it would be great to bring in a guy who can challenge Carlos Vettorello as a starting tackle. Uh, that would be a good thing. I wouldn't be upset if they tried to target someone who could be a center for them. I think that would be an, or someone to challenge for the starting center's position. Uh, you can never have too many good offensive linemen. So, of course, that's going to be an area that they look at. But I also think tight end is a spot that they could look at. Um, they, they've only got, you know, two or three on the roster, and none of them have really significant experience. They're, they're kind of young and unproven, and um, we know that Syracuse hasn't really thrown to the tight ends in the last few years. So uh, there's an opportunity with a new offensive coordinator that you could start throwing to the tight end again. So perhaps they like these guys enough that they think that they'll be able to do that. But, you know, bring in another guy I think would be helpful to add depth and, and competition to that position. I also think linebacker is a little bit of an underrated um, spot that they could look at in the portal. And that, not to find someone that can start, but to find that Jeff can arc role. Because we know that he left uh, off the portal. He was basically the fourth linebacker. He was backing up each of the three linebacker spots as, as kind of the primary backup in each spot. He was excellent on special teams. And if you can find a guy who is willing to accept that role and you think has the skill set to be successful in that role, that's something I could see Syracuse taking a look at. I know that they've offered a couple of linebackers um, throughout the, the recruiting, the portal recruiting process and, and re basically doing it for that purpose to try to find someone who would fill that can Arku type of a role. So I think tight end, linebacker, uh, offensive line, and it wouldn't stun me if they continued to look at a wide receiver to try to find someone who's a surefire number one type. And Mike, we'll get you out of here on this one. I wanted to switch over to basketball for a moment. Syracuse is getting an official visit from 2022 four-star guard Judah Mintz, but I wanted to get your take on his recruitment because Syracuse already has two guards signed in the 2022 class, 
and at least two guards that could be returning from the current team. Is it a real possibility that Syracuse can pick up a sixth recruit this late in the cycle? There is. Now, I don't think they're going to take a sixth guy just to take him. This this Judah Mint situation is not a, we need a guard, so we're going to go find somebody. This is a, Judah Mint is an elite talent. He brings a skill set that we don't have on the roster, and he would make us a lot better next season. That's what this is all about. This is a, we can't pass on that level of talent. Now, just because Syracuse has returning guards and Joe Girard and Samir Torrance, we believe, uh, for next season, and incoming guards in Quadir Copeland and Justin Taylor, does not mean that a guy like Judah Mintz is going to come in, it's going to be too crowded, he's not going to play. He will play. He would be the most high profile of the guards coming in, the most highly rated, the most highly regarded. And the one thing missing off of this year's team, and everyone's been talking about it all season as we watch the teams go through its ups and downs, especially because there was someone on the roster who could do some of this last year, and and he transferred out, which is a guy that can break a defense down one-on-one, off the dribble, get into the lane, and either finish or create a shot for someone else. Kind of that 6-3, 6-4 combo guard, um, scorer, facilitator, that type of player. And that's what Judah Mintz is. He is, that's what his strength is, is attacking downhill, playing in transition, um, you know, sort of spreading the floor, giving it to him, letting him go one-on-one with a guy and making a play, creating his own shot. He can do all of that at a very high level. He is a very highly rated recruit for a reason. His situation is this. He was originally committed to Pittsburgh. He decommitted rather than signing early. He decided to reopen his recruitment. He's going to take official visits to DePaul, NC State, Wake Forest, and Syracuse all in February. He will make his decision after those visits sometime in March. And he's coming to visit Syracuse for the Duke game. So I have to believe the best atmosphere he's going to see is going to be at Syracuse. But this is an elite recruit. Yes, there is absolutely a possibility that he picks Syracuse. They are firmly in the mix there. Um, And we're going to see how it plays out over the next month or so. Mike, always appreciate your time and insight. Again, Mike McAllister from Sports Illustrated and AllSyracuse.com bringing the best recruiting information that you can find on Syracuse Athletics. Mike, we love what you're doing over at All Syracuse. Thanks again for your time. We'll speak with you soon. That sounds great. Thanks a lot. Always great chatting with Mike, and I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online senior columnist, Jim Stickschulte. Jim, how are you today? I'm doing great, Wes. How are you? Jim, doing well. Wanted to talk a little Syracuse basketball with you. Syracuse with a 73-64 win over Boston College on Tuesday night. That's their fourth straight win. Jim, it wasn't pretty, but Syracuse got the job done. Your thoughts on the game? First, I agree with you. Bottom line, they got the win. That was uh, That's the main takeaway. They got the win. Uh, Going into the game, I had some concerns it would be like the second game against Pittsburgh where the Orange just kind of looked like they just felt they'd win by showing up. Um, They didn't look great at the beginning, but they did get Buddy Bayheim hot early. Well, I guess later in the first half, we'd say, he got going. Uh, Joe Girard took over the scoring load late in the game, and then Cole Swider was uh, a steady force whenever they needed a basket. Um, Simeon Torrance played a big part in helping him get going. Uh, when Torrance came to the, came into the game, uh, he went right to Swider. Swider hit a three, and the next possession down, Torrance came right back to him, and he knocked down another. Uh, that really got Swider going, built up his confidence, and it kind of changed things as 
Boston College had another person to really focus on, and they couldn't uh, solely solely be concerned about Buddy getting hot, and then Buddy got hot. And I mean, when it all came down to it, Torrance played a big part in that first half. It was a 13-9 game when he entered, and then when he left, it was 32-20 to with SU holding their biggest lead of the first half at 12. Um, Jesse Edwards, I don't want to be, you know, beat him down because he did have a bad game. And, you know, you know, it's going to happen. He's still a young developing player. There's no reason to, you know, kind of just be like, well, maybe we should go to Frank or whatever. But it was good that Frank and Selim had a good game or at least good enough to offset what Edwards did bad. Um, I mean, the one concern I still have is that even though Anselm played well with Edwards, you know, mired in foul trouble, Frank also committed three fouls and the two you know, committed eight of the 14 fouls that you had uh, in the entire game. Um, I, you know, it's Boston College has been a bottom feeder in the ACC for a long time. And so just honestly on the road, it's a dead atmosphere. Just win the game, come home, and then move on to the next thing. So the bottom line is they won the game. It wasn't a great performance, but again, they won the game. Exactly, Jim. A win is a win is a win. And speaking of winning, Syracuse has three upcoming games against teams with losing records in the ACC before they finish off the regular season with four straight games against teams in the top five spots in the ACC. Do you see Syracuse finishing the regular season with a winning record? I do think they can still pull out a winning record at the end of the regular season. Uh, Syracuse is the hottest team in the ACC right now on a four-game win streak. Well, there's actually two game, two teams that have won four straight in the ACC, and the other one is the, or- the Orange's opponent on Saturday, Virginia Tech. That's right. The Hokies have won four in a row, although they're kind of doing the same game plan as, the, as Syracuse has, is getting those four wins in a row against some of the weaker teams in the conference. Um, that four in a row kind of brings attention to, well, how'd they do it? And then you look and like they're number 33 in Ken Palm, which is well ahead of where Syracuse is. And they're kind of doing it in the same way Syracuse has a really efficient offense and their defense isn't great, but it's statistically better than the orange. Um, but again, so if the Orange can pull out that one, or at least you know following that, they have the rematch at home against Boston College, and they play Georgia Tech, two other teams that are should be end up in the win column. So if they can beat Virginia Tech, you can see them winning their next three and making it seven straight in a row, which would put them at 16 and 11 and 10 and 6 in conference play. And then that end of the season you mentioned against some of the top teams in the ACC. All four of them are in the top five in the conference standings right now. Uh, we know what happened the last time Syracuse played Duke, so we're not going to talk about that. But with Notre Dame, Miami, and North Carolina also in that last four, North Carolina, Notre Dame and Miami are pretty close to where Syracuse is in the Ken Palm ratings. And, you know, when the Orange played Miami on the road, they lost by one. And, the, and Miami had that similar profile as Syracuse, like a very, very strong offense and then, well, a pretty bad defense, to be honest. And So you can see a situation where, Yes, you can pull out a win over Miami in the home finale to end the season. So if they can beat Virginia Tech and then pick up these next two games, the BC and Georgia Tech games, that gets them to 16 wins. And so you can see a path to 17 and maybe 18. You know, maybe they get my, you know, you can see Miami is the more likely or most likely, I would guess, would be a good way to describe it, win in those last four games. And maybe they can get Notre Dame for an 18th win, but. Again, I think they're really anything beyond looking past Virginia Tech on Saturday is, well, it's more about dreaming. But, but yeah, a winning record in the regular season, you can see it happening with as well as the team is playing on offense right now. And, Jim, we're right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts. I know as a Syracuse fan, I'm supposed to focus on one guy who left the team last year as a transfer, 
But actually, I'd like to talk about the one who had a really big impact on the Orange's postseason last year. That's right, Robert Braswell, actually, uh, has had himself a nice season at Charlotte. You may remember him uh, in, at Syracuse <clears throat> playing t- over 23 minutes a game in, in the postseason last year, including hitting seven out of 16 shots from long range and averaging over seven a game in the postseason for Syracuse. And that includes uh, taking a shutout in the season finale against Houston in the Sweet 16. Uh, Braswell transferred to Charlotte in the offseason, and there's a 13-9 and nine squad down there, and he's been a, kind of splitting between a starter and a six-man role. But Braswell's averaging nine and a half points a game, shooting over 53% from the field and 46% from three, including 17 threes in the last six games and games of four and five three-pointers in the last two outings. Uh, Braswell, I'm sure, you know, didn't, things didn't turn out the way he wanted at Syracuse between the leg injuries he suffered that caused him to redshirt and then ending up leaving. But seeing that he's doing well at Charlotte makes me feel good, and I hope his experience there is everything he wanted and more. So continued good luck to him as he uh, continues his life journey. Jim, my closing thoughts are on former Syracuse star Elijah Hughes. Hughes was dealt as part of a three-team trade as he heads from the Utah Jazz to the rebuilding Portland Trailblazers. Hughes was a second-round pick in 2019 and has averaged 2.3 points in 32 games in the past two seasons. But we know Hughes can play at the NBA level. On January 7th, Hughes played 41 minutes and scored 28 points and grabbed eight rebounds against the Toronto Raptors in his best NBA game to date. Sometimes all you need is an opportunity, and here's hoping he finds a more steady role in Portland. That's it for us for Jim Sikschulte. This is Wes Chang wishing a happy new year to all my fellow procrastinators. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Juice on the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.TV audio network. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.